and amen. And you can be seated. Now, let me take a moment of time. One of the things that us pastors and anybody that's a teacher in the, in the, in the kingdom often does is that when we are studying a sermon, we will often, when we either have a theme or a word in Scripture that stands out, we're going to go to that original language. We're going to, in days gone by, we were going to look it up page upon page in the Strong's Concordance. Now in this uh, uh, computer-generated you know, generation, we're going to go to Blue Letter Bible, and we're going to type it up, and we're going to click, and there it's going to be, and it's going to give us the definition. Because at the heart of the word sometimes is, is, a, is a revelation. It's an expounding. And so how many of you know God can speak to you and just, for lack of better words, he can just kind of smite you in a good way. You know, he can just kind of cut you in a good way because God's word does cut, right? God's word cuts and heals at the same time. And he can speak to you sometimes just through one word, not through a verse, not just through a passage or a story, but just one word illuminates to you. And this word receive you, this receive, actually is two words in the Greek, and it's really, in the heart, it means to take to oneself. How does that change? God, they put the Lord, inspired the writers to talk about bringing people into the fellowship. And he said, to take to yourself. To pull someone to yourself. It's biblical usage is this. To take in addition to oneself, or to listen to this, to take as one's companion. That's, what, that's why I use the word family to describe church membership and also a marriage. You know, when we're, we're gonna be celebrating a marriage here in just a couple weeks as a family, and then a, I'm gonna be a part of a, a second one a week later. And, um, you know, as that happens, you know, and these, are, these are people that are coming together I mean, they're taking one to oneself. They're not dating any longer. It's not you sit on that side of the table and I sit on this side of the table, right? This, this, is a, this is a pulling together, a sharing of resources, a sharing of giftings and talents. This is working together for common purposes. That's what the word means at its heart. It means to take or risk. Look at this, to take by the hand or to lead aside. So we want to help lead people. It means to take or receive into one's home with the collateral idea of kindness. Now, that's one thing that I believe that we need an infusion of in the American church is the fruit of kindness. You know, one thing I set my heart to do is, is that, you know what, I, I just want to be a kind person. I just want to be kind to people because I just believe that that's part of the heart of the gospel. I may not be the most inspirational person. I might not be the most you know, educated person. But you know what? One thing I can set my heart to do, I can be kind. I can be kind to a stranger. I can also be kind to somebody that I love that gets on my nerves. Let me move right on along right there. To receive, listen, to receive means to listen to this. To grant one, to grant one access to one's heart. Now, that's when you really have received somebody. When you, when you say, you know what, I'm not just giving you my time. I mean, you know, you can give somebody your time and not give them your heart. You can sit together in a counseling meeting. You can go to a ball game. You can have a dinner date with somebody, and you've spent time with that person. 
but you've not opened your heart to that person. And you've not welcomed them into, come on, what really matters to you. When you've also desired to find out what really matters to the individual. But when we receive people into fellowship the biblical way, we're giving people a piece of our heart. Come on, we're welcoming them in. And, and notice this, to, to take into friendship and so, listen, this is when you go back into this King James English, you got to be careful with this. To take into friendship and social intercourse. All right, so keep that uh, in its proper perspective here, people, okay? But we want to bring people into social intercourse. We want people to be integrated into the live stream of this fellowship. I grieve is all you, if all you do is attend this church, you're missing the heart of this church. If all you do is occasionally come and it's all, if all you ever do is hear a sermon through this pulpit, then we've, not, we've failed in, in, in opening up to pull you, to lead you into receiving you into this fellowship. Let me go a little bit farther. These are some things that I believe are necessary for us to receive those into fellowship. A doctrinal unity is necessary. It's very important. Doctrine's important. You gotta know what you believe. And you may be new to the kingdom of God, you may be new to First Assembly, but I want you to know today that we have a storied history and we're a part of the Pentecostal movement and we are unashamed to be Pentecostal or slash charismatic or spirit-filled or full gospel or whatever acronym you need to, to describe us. That means we embrace the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Spirit of God still moves in the earth today. We're unashamed to say that, yes, we speak in other tongues. It may freak you out just a little bit. I understand that. If you're new to it for the very first time, you may get a little bit uncomfortable. Come on, when somebody around you starts shatakaya mosiyan, that's okay. I'm telling you, they're calling upon the name of the Lord, right? God's empowered them in a way. And you're going to, here's what's happening. If you stay long enough, you're going to want what they want. When you first get around them, you may be like, whoa. But you stay long enough, all of a sudden you're going to say, wait a minute, there's a power working inside them. And I need that in my life. And that we have to preserve that doctrinal unity, right? We preserve it and we teach it and we, and we, we want to create an environment for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. So doctrinal unity is very important. And doctrinal unity is not just hinging upon just that, just the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in a blood covenant, not formed with us, but made with God through Christ, Right? We have entered into the covenant by the grace of God. We believe in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. We believe the only way that you have access to God's eternal kingdom is through faith in Christ Jesus. There's not a plurality of ways. There's one singular way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Right? If you have, the, if you have Christ, then you have the Father. If you don't have Christ, then you don't have the Father. And that's our belief, and on and on it goes. And you've got to study, and you've got to know, because doctrinal unity is important, because we must teach the same thing. I can't be teaching one thing in here on a Wednesday night, and JoJo's in the back teaching something else. We put ourselves in unity together. We want to raise up and edify the body collectively. So doctrinal unity, how many of you know that's necessary? So you've got to study. If you're new to the fellowship, take the time to study. Every person that's going to stand in front of you has been exposed to the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. And they've made a decision that they're in harmony with those teachings. Number two, we have, and here's an expectation. It's an expectation of embracing and making new relationships. So when we receive people into the church, it's more than just, again, new members on a piece of paper, but the goal is to form new relationships. Why do churches not grow? 
Why do some churches not grow? Simply because we oftentimes fail to pull people into our little circles. Let me go a little bit farther. The expectation of embracing and making new relationships must be found in both the receiving fellowship and the new member. So I just challenged those a moment ago in my office that if you're going to join this church and be a part of this church, you're going to desire friends and you need friends. Proverbs 18 and 24 said that he that hath friends must show himself friendly. And so what you cannot do whether or not you're new to the church today or whether you've been in this church for five years, is sit on the back row and never talk to anybody. Never go out of your way to extend a hand. Never attend a small group. Never come to a prayer meeting. Never be there for someone when they're going through a difficult time. And then you do so. You fail to do the things that we know will create lasting relationships. You fail to do those, and you're going to sit isolated in the midst of 200 people every Sunday. And then if you're not careful, then you're going to become critical. And you're going to blame other people. You're going to blame other people and say, nobody reached out to me. Yes, I understand that. That's exactly right. We've got to reach out to people. But you have got. If you value church enough and you value the whole uh, composite of what it offers, then you've got to press in just a little bit. Man, that's good preaching right there. And as a church family, we've got to open our circles. We've got to open our groups. And we've got to allow people to come in. Number three, in order to receive one another, truly in the biblical way, we must not desire or expect everybody to be just like us. Well, that really preached well, didn't it? Yes, that's what you thought, Pastor. I just want everybody to be like, you know what? If everybody was just like you, how boring this place would be. I never thought I would say this in the cultural context of the way it's used. But we must embrace diversity. Not in the way that it's used culturally, but the way that it's used biblically. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 27. You are members of the body of Christ. And members particular, meaning you are an individual part. Now we know that 1 Corinthians 12 deals with that there's diversity in the body. Right? Let me just, just say it this way. We're all members, but we all differ. We differ in look. We differ in size. Ha, <laughs> ha, we sometimes differ in color. Sometimes we differ in cultural, the way we were brought up. Right? Some come from very polished backgrounds. Some are from very educated. And I know those of you that come from a very educated background that you cringe when Pastor Brown creates words from the pulpit. <laughs> that you can go to Miriam Dictionary or Webster's and Google search it and it's not coming up. It's found only right here in this pulpit. And so I understand that. We have all different personalities. Some are strong personalities. Some are quiet personalities. Some people smile all the time, and some are just kind of uh, to themselves just a little bit. Some, we all have different likes and dislikes. We have different economic backgrounds. For some people, uh, you know, $1,000 is a lot of money. And some people, $1,000 is not that much money. For some people, $100 is a lot of money. 
And some people, do you catch what I'm saying? We're all different in our backgrounds. So we have different marital statuses. We have those that have been married for 60 years and we celebrate those marriages. We, we, we have singles among us, single by choice. Some are single because they've suffered the trauma of divorce, right? So it all differs, but you know what? We've still gotta find a way to be inclusive and pull one another into the fellowship to receive. What did he say? Receive you one another. We must celebrate the uniqueness of his body. This is his body. I don't want everybody here. I love the diversity that we have in our church family. One of the things we talked about with the new membership class is we talked about being a church that determines to reach all generations. We're thankful even in the differences in ages. Joe references it many times. I reference it. We're so grateful that we are a church that has all generations among us. From the younger generation that are just now raising small children like Dylan and Julie here on the front row to somebody on the back row that's been a member of this church for 70 years. We're so thankful to God. That, and we found a way to be one happy family. Is that right? Right? And I'm telling you what, I believe in with all of my heart, that's the healthiest church body. Because I believe your life is healthier when you have multiple generations of people in your life. If all you do is hang out, if, let's say, let me say this to you. If, if you're 28 years old and all you do is hang out with 28-year-old people, you're going to be shallow in so many areas of your life because there are some things you can't Google search or get off Twitter, right, that will develop you into the person that God's called you to be. Sometimes you gotta get around somebody that's been in this thing for a long time, that's been walking out their faith, that's gone through highs and lows and ups and downs. They've come through the water and they've survived because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you need their testimony and you need their prayer and you need the wisdom that God's given them, right? And they're willing to give it if you'll just connect to them. And so it's a blessing that we have. So I want to say this to all of you here today. Don't try to change everyone. Paul said, if he that is weak in the faith, receive that person. Welcome them into the fellowship. Let me say this again. Just let everybody be themselves. Just let everybody be themselves. That's a good thing. How I many you know that that will hinder in the, the criticalness that often, or excuse me, that will help in overcoming the criticalness that's often associated with churches? Because when we measure you, we measure you because we want you to fit into a preformed expectation of what you should be. But we want to not measure you. We just want to encourage you and instruct you and edify you. God produces the growth. Oh, man, that's good right there. Let's go a little bit farther today. I know I'm not very evangelistic today, but, you know, I don't care. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. And you know what? I believe the best years of my pastoral ministry are in front of me. You know, Sherry and I had a, have had a great run being parents with children at home, but, you know, that has wrapped up on us. <laughs> oh, I could say a lot of things right there. I could, and you know, and we miss a lot of it. There's no doubt. You know what? We raise adventurous kids, and wherever God takes them, we want to let them go. You know what? I mean, two weeks from now, we're going to be uh, we're going to go from celebrating a wedding to crying like babies, right? When Austin and Lauren get on a plane and head to Alaska for at least three years, and from wherever else God takes them, 
And you know that, I mean, JoJo knows firsthand when I, we, when I sent Alyssa or let Alyssa go to Los Angeles, man, I sobbed like David at Ziklag. So there was no more power to weep. And, you know, but at the same time, as the, as the children have vacated, that's created a new season in our lives, a season where we can be more available than we've ever been in the past. And I believe the best is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come for the future of this church family. Let me share with you as I close today, what expectations should you have of me as your pastor and these other pastors that are present, whether or not you're a member of this church for the first time as of today or been here for a long time? As a, here's my responsibility to you is I'm your pastor. Pastor, I'm your teacher and I'm a shepherd. And yes, I'm your friend. Because in the context that Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I don't call you in that context, he said, master, servant. That was the context that he was speaking of. But he said, I call you my friend. And I want to say this to you today. I cannot be everybody's best friend. Is that right? And I'm just like everybody else. I gravitate a little bit to people that have common interests with me. If you watch the Hallmark Channel, and you're talking about in the foyer, and I got another group over here talking about turkey hunting in the foyer, I'm probably... I may bump an inch at a time, but I'm going to probably gravitate over there. I'm just like everybody else in that sense. But that doesn't mean that I can't care for and relate to each one of you with sincere love, compassion, and friendship. Is that right? We don't have to have the same interests for us to have friendship and compassion and love. My greatest desire for you is to teach you and equip you for your service to God. Paul prayed for the Colossians, and he said, I just want to present you as a chaste virgin to the Lord. Meaning he wanted to see that church mature into all that God had called them to be. And that's my heart's desire for you, to be all that God's called you to be for, for his glory and for the good of this body. I don't try to make everybody's birthday parties or kids' ball games or special events. I didn't expect you to come to all of mine. All right, but let me say this. I come to some when I can, but certainly not all. So don't, you can't put that expectation on me. Man, I'm preaching, to, I'm preaching right even when it's quiet. Listen, the easiest way for me to pastor you is this, for you to be faithful to this church. That's the easiest way for me to pastor you is that if you don't make me go looking for you every two weeks. Oh, my goodness, right there. Wow, it was good up until that point right there. Be faithful and accountable. If you are faithful to service and something happens, your absence is noticed almost immediately. But if you have erratic attendance to church services, we put these together for your good, right? We put it all together to edify you and build you up and pray for you and worship God. And if you are erratic in your, uh, your church attendance, listen what can happen. Listen, when you miss, it can be a month before we realize you're gone. Because we pattern your attendance. Because you come erratically. So we're not going to notice when you have an extended two to three weeks of erratic attendance. But if you're here as often as you can, right? And then we look up and we're like, man, we're so... Because we notice your seat is empty. And so I want to challenge you. Make our lives easier by being faithful to the house of God. Here's the way I put it before I close. Consider it from my point of view. 
Make the application like a business. How would you be, like to be a business owner and your employees just come and go as they please? Now, I'm going to flip the script on you for just a moment. Look at it from the pastor's responsibility and position for a moment. What would it be like to a business owner? You don't know day to day who's showing up for work or not. Could you, get, could you accomplish the goals that you have as a business? Well, let's go a little farther. What about a coach? We've seen a lot talked about the coaching carousel in college football recently. What about a coach who doesn't know which player is going to show up for practice or don't know if they're even going to show up at the game? Week by week, he's like, I, is Johnny here? Is Susie going to be here today? I, I don't know. They just come and go as they want to. How effective is that team going to be? Man, I'm preaching true in here today. Lord, Lord, nobody's clapping, but I'm, you know what? The old preachers used to do it this way, so I'm, I feel like I ought to right there. I'm challenging you. What about a military leader, Austin? What about your soldiers that are going to be under you? How can you lead that, 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 little, that flight or that platoon or that group or whatever group, or that, that unit, whatever you're assigned to, how can you lead them if they're not accountable to you? And they're not accountable to the cause. So what I'm going to ask you is, is that, listen, church, we're going to make our lives easier. Just be faithful. Be faithful. And I'll tell you what, then we can help your life grow in faith and in godliness. And here's the last thing I want to talk to you today about. It's lastly is this. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask it in advance. In order for you to be added to this church, I'm going to ask this from you today. I need to ask for forgiveness because I'm going to ask it in advance. I'm going to ask it in advance because I can't stand up here and tell you that every time you come in here, everything's going to be just right. I can't tell you that you're never going to be disappointed with us. I can't stand up here and tell you a lie that you're never going to be offended by something I might say or do. Right? I, I love to shake hands and hug necks with every single person that I can. But I never purposely leave anybody out. Right? I never purposely try to avoid somebody. So I want to say this real quickly is I need grace from you. You've got to give us grace. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about we. You're going to be added to this church, seven, eight people, but it's not just them. It's the whole. We've got to have grace one for the other. We've got to give people grace. I asked special permission. I'm going to give you a little story to tell real quick to help re to, to emphasize this point because this could be the most important point that I make here today. Let me say this about pastoring and preaching. I will never target you from the pulpit. I will never, you will never come to church and think, well, pastor sees something in my life. And so, and I, oh my gosh, he preached that right to me. He did that on purpose. Do you think, well, people do, and then they get offended. I will never target you from the pulpit. God would smite me for that. But I do preach controversial subjects at times that affect all of us and sometimes it affects some of us, right? And sometimes it's cultural related and I can't be the pastor that doesn't touch on some of those things. And that's why I'm saying you've got to offer grace. You've got to offer grace because don't receive offense. I shared, I asked personal permission and um, I'm closing with this real quick. It's a story. I think it'll help you. We receive each other. We're going to receive one another in the membership. Um, about a year and a half ago or so, and I asked Billy Adams if I could use him as an example, a little story that happened. 
here, and I just want to come down. We're getting ready to receive these beautiful men and women into our fellowship today, and we're going to receive them with a whole new perspective, aren't we? And I was teaching here on a Wednesday night, and uh, Brother Billy had raised his, quest, his hand up, and we, I love Brother Billy, B.A., and he's, uh, many of you know him, and he is a uh, uh, retired out of UPS. I often ask him, what can Brown do for you? <laughs> That's pretty good. Come on, Joe. Ha. And um, and so he, he had raised his hand on a Wednesday night to ask a question, and it was towards the end. I was about 15, 10 minutes or so towards the end, and we try to accommodate questions and comments. You know, I don't want to just preach, every, you know, I don't open up on Sunday mornings for questions, but I do on Wednesday nights. Questions or comments, because I want to facilitate that. And Billy raised his hand, and, and, when, and I think it might have been he had made another statement earlier, and, and so I said, Billy, you're going to have to hurry. You know, well, that hurt his feelings. And it hurt. And I understand. But what Billy couldn't see was there were three people behind him with their hand up. And so right after service, when I, came, I could tell that it kind of hurt his feelings. I didn't mean to. And, um, and B.A., he, he can be sharp, can't he, Kathy, at times. He can be kind of sharp. And he kind of come to me because it hurt him. And I understand. And, and he had this sharpness about him and and and. And if I, I won't share anything about what we said or anything, but if I had fallen prey to it, see, the enemy would have used that to separate us and to hinder until we could have lost somebody who is a vibrant part of our fellowship. But you know what I did? I put my arm around him, and I walked out with him, and I said these words to him. I said, Brother Billy, you've got to give me more grace than that. I said, I love you. I said, if you want to teach on a Wednesday night, I'll give you the whole hour. You can teach if you want to, because I believe he could do it. I said, so you got, I said, every now and then, does Kathy kind of disappoint you or frustrate you? Every, I wouldn't mean, I'm sorry, Kathy, I pulled you into that to justify the moment. And he said, you know, he kind of thought, and he said, well, yeah, you're right, you're right. And he went home. Now, a lot of times people go home after any moment in church, and that's when the enemy works. And, and something festers, and it becomes worse, and he gets a stronghold. But Billy didn't let that happen. In the next church service, he met me at the door, and he said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And with tears in his eyes, he said, I want to thank you for handling me that way. He said, if I wasn't in your corner before, and I was, he said, I'm so much more now because of the way you handled me. Because you handled me with grace. I handled him with grace. And I tell you what, you know what? I don't try to change him. I like that big personality. You know why? Because if you're talking about me in the, out there in the foyer and Billy gets earshot of it, you better get ready because he's going to come get up in your business because, see, he's going to defend me in that sense. But that's the way we all, God expects us, is to handle one another with grace and welcome one another with grace. And do you know what? Sometimes people are going to say something that cuts you. Maybe they mean it, mean it maliciously or maybe they didn't. But you know what? But if you'll live with not allowing offense to be taking place in your heart and life, you won't receive the offense, right? Offense won't make it in because you've received them into your life and you love them and you're gonna give them grace. And I tell you what, that grace is what's gonna keep us. Come on, somebody, amen. We're all members of the body of Christ and we're members in particular. We're all different. Our heads are bowed, our eyes closed. We're praying for just a moment of time before I welcome these beautiful men and women to the front, and we extend to them the right hand of fellowship in dismissal today. 
I just wanna thank God for each person here that's under the sound of my voice. And I wanna give you an opportunity today. You know what, before you can ever be a member of a local church, you have to be a member of his church. You have to be a member of the body of Christ. And the way you're a member of the body of Christ is through faith in Jesus Christ. And it would be wrong for me not to give you that opportunity today. That opportunity simply lies within your heart. It's as close as your next heartbeat because the Bible says that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Brown, you know, I've known about God, I've known about church, I've known about Jesus, but the reality is I don't know Jesus personally. Today, Pastor, would you lead me in a prayer that would make sure that I have faith in God through Christ, that I not be a part of his church. Pastor, before I can be a part of your church, I wanna be a part of his church through faith in Christ. If that's you, I'll pray with you right where you are, right where you are. Slip your hand up and I'll pray with you today. Is there anyone in the sound of my voice today? Number two, real quickly, a closing prayer. I won't bring you down, I won't embarrass you, I won't do anything. But quickly, if you'd quickly say, Pastor, I'm here, but there are times I just don't feel like I've been received in the fellowship. Pastor, would you pray with me? Pray with me with whatever, whether it be our body or whether it be you as an individual or whether it be a little mixture of both because I need to find deeper fellowship in the church. Pray, Pastor, that I be received in the fellowship. If that's you, have the courage, raise your hand. Nobody's looking around but me. Just looking, I wanna pray with anybody and just speak a blessing over you. Father of heaven, I pray over my church family and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for today. Today, we must receive one another. Isn't that what the Bible says, church? Aaron, are you joining me on the platform? Is that you? Aren't we to receive one another? We're to receive one another. Church family, you have a part. In a moment, you're gonna walk by and you're gonna give somebody a handshake or a hug. It's just a few minutes after 12, I know. But I tell you what, you gotta do more than that. The scripture says that we must give them a part of our heart. We must take them into the kindness of our home, this church home, this church family, this fellowship. We must bring them into our circles. We can't allow them to sit among us and feel like nobody cares. We can't allow them to sit here among us and think that the only person they're ever gonna know or the only person that's ever gonna know their name is Pastor Brown or Pastor Jojo or one of the staff. But God, we're gonna, we're gonna do everything that we can to receive them the biblical way. We're gonna receive them into our heart and receive them into our fellowship because you have placed them here. And God, we are grateful and privileged to have this moment today. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And amen. Now listen, what I'd like to do is I'm going to read these names and I'm going to ask them to come and stand across the front facing you. And then we're going to say a prayer blessing right over them. And then I'm going to be the first along with Sister Sherry or be myself, I suppose, right there. And Joe and Ann follow me. And we're going to just simply hug them and give them a handshake. We want to ask you to do the same thing and that's going to be your dismissal today. I'm going to ask if Mr. David Frazier and Hazen Frazier would come to the front, if you would please. I ask you to go all the way down here. Well, David, if you, no, no, right there. I'm sorry. We'll start right there. Thank you. Yes, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Right there. Mr. Timothy Sean Houston. Better known as Timothy, or as Sean, sorry. Come around this side, Sean. 
Tina Comer. Back up here, Sean, right here, right to the side. I'm sorry. I've got the cards. Miss Tina. Miss Eva Bird, if she's here. Some are not here today, and I'll catch up with them. There's, uh, Jeff Bice was sick today, and oh, I know he hated this, missed this moment. So we're going